calling all psychonauts. May you enjoy the days through the haze. Enjoy what is now. This episode of the Slightly Fuzz podcast is sponsored by Bud Tea Company, a cannabis apparel brand from Maine. Check them out at budteco.com. That's B-U-D-T-E-E-C-O.com. Or follow them on Instagram at budteco. Tell them Slightly Fuzz sent you. All right. Doomsday Prophet, what's up? Oh, man, we are uh, recovering from this past weekend. It's been a few days, but I feel like the recovery is, uh, it's a real, it's a real thing. Cosmic Reaper is, uh, they will show you a good time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they wipe the stage uh, <laughs> all three shows. I think we got better just by being in their proximity for a couple days. <laughs> I, think, good I think so. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't wear off. <laughs> keep the momentum going channel the cosmic <laughs> reaper yeah you guys playing around north carolina uh we are we're trying to uh stretch our tendrils a little bit more in, into the southeast so this past weekend we did a we did a short run to celebrate the album release um three days with cosmic reaper but we had a bunch of other great bands along the way we played in duluth georgia with big oaf and dope goat uh which was super fun. Um, kind of a that that was a really fun show for for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think the highlight was probably yet to come because we played Asheville with U.S. Christmas at Static Age Records, which was just phenomenal. Um, and then we came home and we got a bunch of our friends to play a six band Sunday afternoon matinee. <laughs> Um, nice. so we had us and, and Cosmic Reaper and Witch Tit, uh, on the main stage. And then upstairs we had Cult Icon, who does a really cool, like instrumental post-rock, noise rock, doom, uh, amazingness. Nora Rogers from the band Solar Halos, uh, did a solo cello set, which was amazing. Nice. Uh, and Spencer Lee from the band Make debuted his new solo project, Machnovist, which is sort of like all of the best heaviest parts of sun early earth and boris all rolled into one uh one act that is more amplifier than man <laughs> that's a very eclectic group of of musicians that you you're rattling off here yeah it was uh it was everything that i always like want shows to be uh except yeah. packed uh it was a good crowd but the poorhouse that the venue where we played is a is a sizable room um but it was so we had a good crowd. Um, everybody was just just good vibes all around, and cool. some really great music. Yeah, it was a nice uh, a nice kind of way to end our long weekender. Nice hometown afternoon show with a bunch of friends. Yep, and then we're taking a, a couple weeks for holidays and stuff, and then we're right back at it. We've got. Few local shows in December. And Were you doing another... one with Empty Black? Because I had Empty Black on here. I thought you did something with Empty Black. We huh? are. So we'll be playing with them at Sabbath Brewing uh, next month on the tenth, and um, that's right after the the show with Resin in Richmond. Ah, yeah. So yeah, our our friends in Lair um, hooked that one up. They're playing again with Resin in Asheville on the twelfth. So we we put a couple dates together. For the ninth and tenth, and then the eleventh, we're sort of doing a, a warm-up show, I guess you could call it, in Asheville with 
Eight Vermin and a new band called Istari, which is like the Appalachian Earthless. Um, they're brand new, but they're awesome. And yeah. uh, and then we're home, and uh, we're we're warming up for that show with uh, stops at Kraken Fest at the Kraken in Chapel Hill, and um, opening for Black Tusk at the Poorhouse in Raleigh. So, dude, I I didn't really know Blast Black Tusk super well, and over the summer I saw him at Wake Brewing in Rock Island with Bongzilla. Nice. Holy shit, man. I'm super I, I was like an instant fan of, of Black Tusk after I left there. I mean, they fucking destroyed that place. It was awesome. Yeah, and they're lifers, man. They've been around forever, constantly touring, just sort of like there there's so much to admire about that band, obviously musically, but yeah. just their outright tenacity. Um well, I mean, a, you listen to the like the records and like they're great, but seeing them live was like totally different they're one of those bands that just sounds so much better live i think yeah i mean I, a lot of I bands are that way but that's, man. that's probably their comfort zone yeah uh, it was you know you play a couple hundred gnarly. shows a year that's bound to happen right <laughs> yeah yeah well that's a that's a hell of a, a lineup that you have put together of shows yeah, uh, yeah brian has been working his ass off he, uh, he'll be modest about it but i i he's, uh put a, put a bit enough of... more than we can chew but we're gonna <laughs> It'll be a trial by fire. Yeah. <laughs> Any mishaps? You you guys uh, you guys killing it or <laughs> figuring uh, it out? Knock on wood, no mishaps yet. We are well. Um... I mean, if you count the first show back uh, at at Art Bar, I don't count I was... that. What? He said he doesn't count that. You don't, don't count, count that? that. Okay. Since that was the um, first show back when I, I completely blew out my speaker cab on the first uh, first track. Oh, that wasn't that wasn't a mishap though. I mean it wasn't supposed to happen, but it turned that... out it turned out well because one, it made you get a better cab. That is and true. Two, it uh, made us like per forever in the debt of Bog Monkey for saving the day. Um, and we uh, we stretched out the song that would become Bring Out Your Dead on the record. So there you go. It was meant to be. Sil silver lining turning uh, cabs into 10-minute drone songs. Yeah, and, <laughs> and none of the mishaps happened until after we played, so. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not too bad. <laughs> so you have a new album. This is your debut, right, in Idle Orbit? You had yes. a, like a demo or something out before that, I guess, but this is kind of your big debut, right? Yes, this is uh, this is our first trip to the studio. The the demo was kind of stuff that we cobbled together. We had some friends that recorded uh, a few minutes from shows and and stuff that we'd put together in the practice room. Um, but yeah, this was our first uh, our first finished product, if you will. Uh, we're pretty yeah. we're pretty proud of it. The the demo we released kind of because we were itching to get into the studio in 2020 and record our our first uh ep or first record but then the pandemic happened but we really wanted to get something out so we we put the demo out realizing we weren't going to go into the studio that summer and kind of went back into effectively hibernation did some you know self solo practicing and worked on some new songs and i think it all worked out for the for the better with the final product that we have with in idle orbit agreed it's super like like relentlessly heavy and just like like hopeless <laughs> and what's funny is that you look at 
your Instagram and it's all memes and fun and funny <laughs> and it's they couldn't be further from 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 each I, other. <laughs> I think a lot of our memes are pretty cynical. Um, okay, fair enough. Sure, but I don't know. You you, you got to laugh to keep from crying, right? You look at the yeah. state of the world and um, yeah. No, I mean, yes, I think we have um, sort of a negative outlook on a lot of things. Um, certainly funneling it into heavy music is uh, as trite as it is. It's also true to say that it is, it's a cathartic thing for me to get up and play really loud and yell into a microphone and uh, into the faces of a willing audience. And you know, it's, it's fun to do that. It's a release of a lot of that negative energy. Um, but I don't think we're like bummer dudes generally, <laughs> certainly we try not to be. Um, well, that's what's I, funny I, kind of about just like this genre in general is that talking to the people in it and just seeing the people on social media, which, you know, didn't exist X amount of years ago, everyone's just normal dudes. And yeah, and and women as, as well, but um, you know, everyone has a sense of humor, and they're goofy, and they're funny, and they're nerds, and they're you know, just it's it's not like just this heavy, dismal, dark shit all the time. You know, you get to know yeah, people well, on social media, and you see like their real colors and stuff like that. That's you know, I, I think a lot of these things kind of go hand in hand. You get into horror, you get into sci-fi movies, comic books. Um, games like D D or magic the gathering or video games and and you sort of um you know you get comfortable exploring difficult subjects in sort of fantastical realms uh you know whether it's an iron maiden record or or playing diablo 3 or whatever you're doing and you know i think it's just an extension of that sort of coping mechanism um i mean we never try to take ourselves too seriously um, Our name is literally a wordplay. Yeah, it's a pun. Like we're, <laughs> I, we're not I, well, allowed I, to. We're not allowed I to take to, ourselves too seriously after yeah. that. I wanted to ask you about the name too, because for the longest time, I you know I see you guys come up on Instagram, whatever, and I'm just like, oh, Doomsday Prophets, someone that prophesizes about Doomsday. Got it. And then you know when I started like talking to you about doing the podcast and stuff, I was like, hold on a second. That's not how you spell profit. This is like about like money. This is like profit, like making money. And I was like, I don't know why I didn't see that before, but I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we get to. I like playing with it. We called our our little run with Cosmic Reaper the Reaping Profits Tour, um, <laughs> which is especially ironic because I think uh, we definitely did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we broke even. Um, That's but, not too uh, bad. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we definitely don't feel bad about how how it went in terms of turnouts and everything. Um, you know, gas is expensive right now. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah but, uh, um, Vandolph the Brown is a, a thirsty, yeah. thirsty motherfucker. <laughs> Vandolph is quite thirsty. Uh, <laughs> you guys tour, have a sweet van? Yeah, uh, we tour in a, a 1984 uh, Dodge Prospector. Uh, have I, have you posted of brown. Have I seen yeah, we, we've posted a few, a few okay. uh, adoring portraits of Vandolph. Um, <laughs> he is our our trusty steed. He's never early, nor is he late. He arrives exactly when he means to. Um, <laughs> we, uh, it, it's it is sort of a, a cozy, um, a cozy van that we've all grown to love, and and he has 
he's carried us safely and uh, and reliably. Uh, I'm knocking on wood so far. So uh, many thanks to Vandoff and to our drummer Trad for being his uh, his custodian. <laughs> I was just uh, I was reading Dave Grohl's book, the storyteller that he put out, and he was talking about Vans, and he has that documentary about Vans too. Um, but he was talking about how in, in his first band, you know, they would configure everything so it just fit, but then someone would like sleep on like the top, like wood mm-hmm. plank that was in there. And, you know, someone would sleep in there at overnight to make sure no one steals their shit and all that kind of stuff. Are you guys, uh, sleeping in the van? Are you going on any long trips with it yet? Or haven't had to experience some of that stuff with it? Yeah. I, I think the longest trip that we have planned will be the drive from Richmond to Atlanta. Um, and fortunately for us, home is halfway between them. So um, okay. we'll, we'll stop off at home, give everybody uh, van included a little bit of a rest and then uh, get back to it. Um, so no, it hasn't, it hasn't been a huge issue yet. Uh, you know, we're fortunate enough to, in most cases, be able to, crash with friends and, and touch base with people we haven't seen for a while, which is always, yeah. um, I mean, that's one of the biggest draws of doing it is getting to go see friends in other cities and scream at them for a little bit and then have drinks and hugs and all that fun stuff. Um, Do you have anything planned for further out yet? Or is that quite, we're not quite there yet? Uh, I think our plan generally speaking is going to be to do a couple shows, like one or two shows a month for the most part. Uh, we'll probably slow down a little bit at the early parts of the year just to because we want to write the next record. Uh, we have a couple new things we've started working on and uh, kind of want to put a bow on that so we can go in and record next summer. Um, Trad's other band, Crystal Spiders, is still kind of figuring out what they're doing next year. I think they may uh, be trying to get over to Europe at some point, so that will affect our scheduling. Um but by and large, I think the the one weekend a month, I, I sort of, I told my wife, it's kind of like, just imagine I'm in the National Guard. Like one weekend a month, one week a year, we're covered. Yeah. I uh, I read your bio on your website. Maybe I can pull it up real quick. I was <laughs> like, I need to get better at like describing people's projects because I have a lot of people come on here and I'm just like, it was awesome. It was cool. It was heavy, you know. <laughs> That's all and we really want to hear. Yeah, yeah. This is not what you have on your website, though. It's beautiful. It, someone wrote this. It is very good. Did you write this, Brian? I know you have like a journalism background. Did you write this? Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. yeah, I got input so, from the rest of the band, but th- that's my. Writing. It's like, yeah. It starts off like the blind oracles of legend. The North Carolina acid sludge quartet, Doomsday Prophet, offers a dark vision of an even darker future. Blah, 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 says some more stuff. Into the desperate present, Doomsday Prophet emerges, offering its meditation and anger in Idle Orbit. The debut EP floods its dystopian visions with snarling psychedelic grit and deep dredged sludge riffs that call to mind the relentless pummeling of Conan as well as the cosmic excursions of Earthless, the bad trip acid rock of Church of Misery, as well as the scuzzy blues of Dope Throne. And it goes on. (laughs) That is a well-written description of any band and I need to take lessons because <laughs> I'm always like, this is awesome. You're making it's me blush. Um, <laughs> it's so good. Um, so well, you- I, I mean, it, it helps if you spend about uh, going on 25 years of my life now being a absolutely uh, 
uncurable music nerd um just like listening to every band and absorbing absorbing all of the trivia and drawing all the parallels like oh well, you know this sounds like the side b from the the obscure single that sam hain did in 1978 but it's it's got a little bit more of that like uh flower traveling band groove and and nobody knows what i'm talking about and fewer people care but yeah um, <laughs> but i see a lot of people describe different musics whenever i read reviews or or anything and they're just like crushing riffs i hear crushing riffs a lot there's always crushing yeah. riffs and hauntingly you know, beautiful uh <laughs> see, what are some of the other ones you yeah. get the um oh, i feel like i'm guilty of that one it's hard not to be. That's kind of my point yeah. is that like when, when people like are on here, I'm just like, man, it's great. You have some crushing riffs in there. <laughs> <laughs> Music's hard to write about. It's uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, the, the old adage is writing about music is like dancing about architecture. You, you can't really do it. Yeah. Um, that, well, that's kind of a good point. Yeah. I mean, the best you, know, you can do is try to compare it to, to other music to give some context. Yeah. But that all depends. And, and on, I've, I've you know, tried the other that too. And knowing I feel, what you're talking about, I feel like it's. And I've said this before on the podcast. I always feel like it's kind of like this lazy cop out to be like your stuff sounds like so and so stuff, and it's like it's not fair to to do that to them even because they're probably like, well, hey man, <laughs> we're our own band. Like don't don't just compare us to someone else's stuff all the time. And I don't want to yeah. do that, you know. But it is kind of like the easiest route to go like. Yours well, it, sounds like that. So people go immediately like, oh, okay, I know what that is. It, it and then you can go into more descriptive it. things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, sure. you know, what, what elements of this and that and, and how do you, how do you put it in a frame of mind that I go, look, I know it's not Black Sabbath, but there's elements of Sabbath in what they do, particularly in say uh, the guitar riffs or, sure. um, you know, it kind of borrows that oppressiveness of Conan. It just feels like it weighs on you in a way that Conan does, which is one of the things that Conan does that everybody tries to copy, us included. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I could get a power chord to hit as heavy as any one of theirs, I feel like I could retire. Uh, that's, you know, it, so I personally, I have no issue. Um, with folks comparing our music to other bands. Uh, I do. Uh, a lot of our stuff is borrowed um, if, and at least inspired by other bands. Sure. Um, yeah. And heck, maybe I'll find a new band that I haven't heard yet. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's also pretty subjective. I mean, there's been plenty of times where someone will describe a band to me using that same method and be like, you got to hear this. It sounds like Queens of Stone Age. And then I, I, I mean, I just don't hear that at all. And I'm like, it's, it's strange how everyone can hear the same thing and reference yeah. it to a different band mm -hmm. very differently. So well, you reference it to well, the closest thing that you know. And so it's kind of dependent on what else you're familiar with and what the person sure. you're talking mm -hmm. to is familiar with. Yeah. Um, like if you haven't heard, if you've only heard Queens of Stone Age and you haven't heard Uncle Acid, you know, right. you're only going to go so far on like the spectrum of stoner rock or whatever. It's like exactly, which is why most people find people like me absolutely insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved I loved the description. I, I was a fan, and I immediately realized I need to 
expand my vocabulary talking about people's <laughs> music to them. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's very flattering. Yeah. So I, I read in that, I think the same page that you have a background in music journalism. So mm -hmm. um, what was it? What was that like? Did you did you work for uh, like a paper or magazine or, or what were you doing with that? Um, yeah, so I started writing about music uh, when I was an undergrad in college. I, I signed up for the student newspaper because my friend told me I could get CDs for free if I reviewed them. Um, that turned out to be a blessing and a curse. Uh, blessing because I got a lot of free CDs, a curse because it just made the addiction worse. Um, and it, it really just kind of built from there. I started writing for uh, the local alt-weekly um, really as soon as I graduated and was done at the student paper. Um, I worked for a couple of years with a startup magazine called Shuffle that was focused on specifically music in the Carolinas region. Um, and as I was doing that, I was freelancing for um, publications like Magnet and Paste Magazine and um, other local alt-weeklies around the area. Um, so yeah, it, you know, probably about, I guess... 10, 10 plus years of, of doing that, um, kind of letting my, uh, my ears take me where they want to go and, and my mail, um, you know, whatever people sent that looked intriguing, I would listen to and try to review. And, um, what was it I for reviews or did you write like focus pieces on, on bands and different things? All of the above. I did. Okay. Um, I did a lot of blurbs to preview shows to say, Hey, this band's coming next week. Here's kind of what to expect, um, which is a really great exercise for trying to like condense your descriptions into a few words. Um, cause typically with those, we'd get anywhere from like 50 to hundred words to describe a full bill. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, record reviews, long and short form, uh, interviews, features, sort of like music business features, that kind of thing. Uh, I was talking to Ryan Garney from High Desert Queen on here, and we were talking about reviews. They were getting reviews for their new album, and I was like, I don't, I don't see negative reviews anymore from like anything less than like the big Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, that kind of stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I don't see any negative reviews. Did you experience that when you were writing? I mean, did they tell you like, listen, just say it's good so that they, they no, help in the future, that, or like, that, what was the, what's the reason behind that? That never happened. I never had an editor say like, "You got to say this is good, even if it sucks." Did you um, write bad reviews? I sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, different people have different philosophies on it. I think as the blogging and podcasting, uh, you know, as it's become a, you know more atomized, um, it's become the the editorial direction seems to be more about like. Not promoting. I hate when you know people, bands would ask like, "Hey, could you promote this? Help us promote this record?" No, I'll review it, but my job is not to promote it. Right. Um, uh, at the same time, you know what you choose to cover is sort of the first distinction. If you don't get bad reviews, you just get ignored. Um, but you know, at the level of bands that I was mostly trying to write about, small, you know, touring or local. Uh, particularly hardcore metal, that kind of band. There's no reason to kick a band that nobody's heard of. Like, I'll yeah, just don't write about them um, because you know, for, from a reader's perspective, it's like, okay, oh look, there's a band I've never heard of, and they suck. I, 
what okay like yeah you know it's a lot more interesting yeah. to be like oh here's a new band that sounds like they're really cool i should check it out but i've um, also found like i feel i feel like sometimes i'll go oh that's a pretty good review you know four stars or something i'll go i'll go check that out and it's subjective but also i'm like that was like one stars max <laughs> come on you know yeah. well, and i'm like is everyone being so positive because they're like afraid to piss off the bands that they think will help them down the road are they afraid to piss off the bands that might help them promote their thing that they're doing or like i'll, I'll say i get that. it like even I, even as like slightly fuzzed i'm like i i wouldn't i don't talk about bands that i don't like i only talk about right. bands that i like so like I don't have to really worry about it. But if people were asking me to review shit and I was like, man, that doomsday profit was like pretty shitty. I mean, you guys wouldn't come on my podcast. So like, why would I do that? You know what I mean? Well, I, I mean, I mean, I come I on the podcast though. Yeah. We'd, we'd still come on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we, we, I can we make can it have some words. We can have though. some words about it, Ryan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, Wait, were you talking to him or me? I was talking to him. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I would hope that the lack of negative reviews is not influenced by um, anything other than authentic enthusiasm for the music. I would yeah. hope people are being honest um, about what they're hearing. I, I think for you know a brand new band with a debut, again, bands that people haven't really heard of, there's not really any reason to write a negative review. That's true. Um, yeah. Once a band has reached a certain level of popularity or something's really hyped and you disagree, then it becomes an interesting point of discussion to be like, true. I don't see what all the hype is about. I think this is actually kind of mediocre. Um, that kind of balances the scales. And I think, you know, for a music fan and somebody who likes to like argue and nerd out about records and bands and, and stuff, just to be like, now we're talking about it instead of everybody just being like, oh yeah, great job. Great record. I love it. So yeah. good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I want to meet the guy that's like, yeah, actually I, I wasn't feeling it. Um, yeah. Cause I, I do, I do find it interesting to know what people's perspectives are. Like, you know, where did this album miss, you know, mm -hmm. where did it really hit the nail in the head? And then, then they missed later on, or like, I want to hear that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't always want to just hear the positive shit, but 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 you're right. Like I mean, you know, there's no reason to like just review some debut from some small band and be like, it's fucking sucked. <laughs> like, it's yeah, just, it's kind of bogus. So, all right, like, fair enough. You know, I mean, because because honestly, who cares? Like, yeah. there's so many unknown, terrible bands that yeah. can, you know, they can just remain unknown and and nobody nobody's bothered. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to hear if it's a new band, I want to hear about what's really great and what's really exciting. And if it's a well-known band, um, you know, yeah, let's start, let's start taking the kid gloves off a little bit. You've been around the block. People already know who you are. They know what to expect. And, you know, if you're messing with those expectations, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, you know, like a band like Monolord, everybody in this genre knows and, and has feelings about, um, generally positively like i would yeah. i'd love to you know hear the other take of that and i don't think they're i don't think they would be harmed by that i think it would co hopefully come to the point that it's more uh beneficial in terms of potentially feedback that you can take as yeah. an artist and and inco incorporate or uh you know getting their fans riled out riled up and even more excited and engaging with it or getting people yeah. to think about it in a way that they hadn't that's always 
the I new Mastodon comes to, comes to mind first because I, I didn't like the new Mastodon album. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, people are going to call this one a masterpiece. I can feel it. I know it. Oh, yeah, because it's really and I didn't like it. I didn't like and, it at all. Uh, and, and I saw a lot of people just just loving the shit out of it. <laughs> well, and I mean, they're a big band. There's a lot of people who are going to love it and a lot of people who are going to not like it. And there's frankly with Mastodon, there's a lot of people who tuned out probably like four or five records ago. So. True. Yeah. <laughs> so Ryan, you yeah. are on uh, still on a radio show. You have your own radio show. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, Global Garage on WHUP. It's a one of those rare gems. Uh, community radio station, all volunteer run, uh, all volunteer DJs. Uh, we get to do our own programming. So uh, what we do Sundays one to three, uh, we we pre-record. Um, our, our shows primarily, but we focus on playing garage rock, punk rock, psych rock, rock tangential stuff. Play, I just uh, before we hopped on here, I was pre recording Sunday show. We had several, uh, a pretty solid doom block uh, lined up, but it's been I'll a really cool week. What? <laughs> I'll have to we always, we week. always, I always throw some doom and heavy psych in at the end. You always have good stuff. I just, yeah, you just, you know, don't, you know, you just don't listen because, movies. you know, that's what friends do, right? Uh, well, also, you tell me about all the stuff you're listening to all week long, so. That's true, because the purpose of the show is to tell people about awesome music that we find. Yeah, I just um, get it in advance. But I, so I started off, you know, with, with radio in college and really loved the whole college <clears> radio <throat> thing. Um, but I mean, that was before, before Spotify, before Bandcamp really took off, so. You know, when I was doing that, when I was program director, GM and DJ for all four years, we were kind of reliant on what we got sent um, to the music director's office. And it was your typical college indie stuff, um, which is primarily typically four to five white dudes from either the U.S. or the U.K., maybe Australia and Canada. But there is so much more out there. And what we really wanted to do was explore that with global garage. And thanks to uh, the, the growth of platforms like Bandcamp, we're able to source some really awesome, awesome music that otherwise hasn't crossed the, or hadn't crossed the borders or wouldn't have crossed the borders. Yeah. Um, like there's some awesome, awesome, like garage psych shit going on in France. Um, there's some, really compelling stuff going on in Mongolia. I'm not just talking about the who, uh, which has blown up recently, but like bands like Mohanik, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, which is kind of more of like a post punk band that just has some really interesting rhythms and and sounds. And, you know, you get into the Japanese psych scene, uh, New Zealand with like the new uh, Dunedin and Christchurch revivals going on. Mexico city is like this explosive garage psych uh, scene that's just ready to to blow up onto the the world stage. So it's been really cool uh, diving into that. And I like to uh, do a lot of traveling, I guess, in the before times. Uh, and I'd bring my little Zoom recorder and try to meet up with bands and, and do interviews. And uh, so it's been, it's been really cool. Um, I interviewed, one of my favorite interviews was probably a Mythic Sunship. If you're familiar from from Denmark heavy psych so. band, uh-uh. um, they played Roadburn, uh, right? Yeah, they played that. I interviewed them like a few weeks before, like when they were about to head out to Roadburn. Um, but kind of like that free, 
free psych saxophone, just awesome psych rock. Yeah. Um, so you get to do cool interviews, you get to play music, you get to kind of have free reign of like an hour or so on, on the radio or. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Cool. We have uh, two hours uh, that we fill. Um, I've been kind of, kind of slacking lately cause I've been more focused on uh, getting this, this new record out. Um, but during the pandemic, we started doing co-hosted episodes. Uh, so I connected with musicians and um, I guess musician tangential people from all around the world to put together playlists and basically be be my co-host and we'll talk about uh, talk about music, talk about their band, talk about the music that they picked. And um, it was kind of a really cool exercise, especially when everything was so isolated. Uh, to be able to connect with people even beyond where I would, you know, normally have conversations. Yeah, for sure. I, when I was in college, we had a we had a pretty good college radio station. Like, I think it won some awards as far as college stations go and stuff. Nice. And I was a, like a junior. I, a lot of my friends had already been in it all four years. They were in college to be like communication broadcasting majors and stuff. And yeah. I just thought it was cool. I like I love music. I could be on the radio and I could play shit that I want. It sounds great. Well, since I was the new guy, they gave me the two in the morning to the six in the morning shift. And, <laughs> and it was basically us, us just like me and my friends coming back from the bars or a party, mm -hmm. stumbling into the radio station, playing like the five longest songs we could find, and then standing outside smoking cigarettes while they played. <laughs> yep. Like, you go like, find that right? one like. 20 minute free jazz song throw that on while you go look for the next thing <laughs> yeah. yeah and like people would call in and and they'd be hammered and be like hey you gotta play this song <laughs> and i'm just like all right delete like next and like i don't know i, I, did I a, wanted I did a, it to be for me so bad but it i was just like so not interested in it especially from I, two to six in the morning i just couldn't do it but <laughs> i i had a similar experience i did it i think it was either two to six or three to six um yeah Fortunately, nobody called in. Uh, that was that was a perk, but um, yeah, just that those late hours and I don't know. It was putting together playlists is fun, but when you have to do it on a weekly basis, it gets to be a lot for me. Which is why I have to shout out Paul and Chris, who are my co-hosts for Global Garage, who helped me immensely by sourcing music, especially on weeks when I am on tour. <laughs> radio is kind of leaning the direction of podcasts and stuff being more open to you know longer form interviews or like wider audiences of music and things like that because for so long and especially if you're not in a cool like hip city like Asheville or Austin mm -hmm. or something like that mm -hmm. their stations are terrible I mean even yeah. even in Chicago and I'm not from Chicago but I'm from Illinois we had a, a station in the Quad Cities where I was from. They're like a rock station. And you know exactly what that means. I mean, it's it's Nickelback and it's Puddle of Mud. And yeah. you hear you hear Def Leppard at least like three times every every hour. It's like so much. Oh, yeah. And even in Chicago, I think I don't even know if they have a rock station anymore. Like they did for years. And I don't even know if that's still in existence at all. And yeah, I think we have a classic rock station, uh, which uh it bothersomely now plays like 90s rock um yeah and it's uh 
it, it's pretty dire on in the terrestrial radio markets, I think. Um, well, yeah. But... So, the, I mean, the interesting thing with that, like, I think when we talk about stuff like mainstream radio, I mean, aside from the, the talk stuff that seems to be taking over generally, I mean, there's not really much of a difference between tuning into your local clear channel station and flipping on Pandora 90s hits or whatever the fuck. Like, it's there's no there's no thought or curation. It's all prescribed stuff based on whatever formula reputation repetition bullshit um they're trying to kick out but yeah, where the main difference is your terrestrial radio station occasionally has somebody chime in with some awful jokes well there's before, a fuckload before of before the ads there's yeah. a fuckload of commercials and then yeah. they play the same shit they played last hour yeah yeah exactly exactly and then there's I mean, an ad was, for the morning dishes one summer like, over after yeah. college like we had the classic rock station i'm pretty sure i heard the same fucking eagle song every hour and a half like clockwork yeah but so there's i mean it, it, there's there's nothing there's nothing there the, the magic of what made radio what it was in its prime is dead so you have to go and look at places like whup which is taking really cool people like there are some awesome djs on this station like there's a there's a guy that uh that we follow who used to work at the BBC and he records his show with like the classic mic that they used to make the, the DJs use. And he goes through like the hits of a certain, of a certain year, like the actual like pop list. And like, there's that personality, there's that, that knowledge, that experience, that curation that you don't get on a terrestrial radio station. You have stuff like yeah. KXP, which is, killing it with the live shows like kxp is really i think a great example of modern radio in the internet world like they're really going beyond just what you think of as radio they're still thought leaders and curators and you know taste breakers in that in that sense and i think that's where that's where radio is going should go and um, I think there's that kind of intersection with 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 podcasts and just digital media in in general. It's it's so interesting because radio is such a good product. Yeah. On on paper, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just you just broadcast it, it out, and and people can listen to it in their car, yep. on their lawnmower, on in on their computer, anything. They can just hear music, and it's made mm -hmm. by people that that know music. It's such mm -hmm. a good product on paper. And they mm -hmm. fucked it up so bad. It's unreal. Yeah. Well, and, I guess the and, question is, by what metric? And and granted, I'm I'm getting a little cynical here, but like <laughs> as as an art product, it's clearly better when you allow the idiosyncrasies of individual choice to dictate the playlist. Yeah. Uh, even even within a restrictive format. I Ryan, I think you and I had a pretty similar experience where we just hated classic rock and wouldn't listen to stuff from oh, the yeah. 60s and 70s for years because nope. the radio formats ruined it. And I just didn't want to hear Sweet Home Alabama ever again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the idea but, of it, someone going, listen, yeah. we're going to have a classic rock hour and we're going to play a couple of your hits that you love. We're going to play a Zeppelin song because we know you love Zeppelin. But the other... We'll play a deep the cut other, and then the play some 50, UFO. Minutes, yeah. The other 50 minutes are going to be filled with shit that I like and you don't know about yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. radio show like play and it was so traveling much, band not bad play 
play T-Rex other than Bang a Gong. Like there's so much great music that, and and it wasn't unpopular at the time. Like, yeah, it's just, it's so narrow and, and you do, you hear pour some sugar on me 37 times a day and all of a sudden you have diabetes from that, from that one song. But you Uh, see like people that have their own YouTube channels and do like kind of a radio show type of thing or doing a podcast or whatever. And they do it, like what radio should have done a long time ago, they do it just yeah. like that. And you're yeah. like, how could you have not figured this out 50 years ago? Yeah. But no, it's... To, to what I was saying earlier about like Austin and, and maybe Asheville, because it's a similar type of vibe. And and probably what you guys are doing at your radio station, from what it sounds like, is like people that know music playing music that you haven't heard yet. And I remember I lived in Austin for a couple of years. I moved from Illinois down there and then moved back. But their radio station down there was awesome. And it was like they had metal song and then a, like a college rock song. Then they had a pop song. Then they had a blues song. Then they had a country song. And it was all really good. All of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I could just cross genres every time I was in my car. And it was yeah. all good stuff because the people that worked there knew their shit really well. Well, and I think part of it is enthusiasm. I yeah. mean, when when you have your playlist dictated to you, like you may like some of it, but you're not you're not picking it. You're not like, you, you don't have that thrill of, you know, when you, when you hear something for the first time and you like, you know, can't wait to send your friend a text message and be like, go listen to this right now. It's so good. Yeah. Like every DJ should be that person, their entire shift. Yeah. And, yeah. and then radio would be the greatest thing on the planet. Even if you didn't right. like the songs, you would like the enthusiasm and you'd, Oh yeah, you know, you'd, you'd like the personalities that that come with it. Oh man, I guess I really need to up my enthusiasm. I mean, I'm I get enthusiastic, but I'm not like always on. So well, nobody's them. always on, but you know what I mean. Like, you're <laughs> yeah. you're you're stoked to to share it with people. You know, you're stoked yeah. to interview these bands that you think are so cool and like introduce them to your your listener base. That's that's a cool thing. I mean, that's yeah. what that's what makes being a music fan so so awesome and it's so fun so uh fulfilling is like you connect with people all over the place because yeah, you all I like love... this this weird way of decorating air i love those those little moments um of of connection one example that comes to mind is um gina from minerva is also in a band called Turbo Gato, and I played Turbo Gato on one of our playlists. And a band from New Zealand, PGX, um, I, I interviewed her because she was uh, writing. Uh, Hannah is is writing or working on her PhD in the the history of New Zealand music, and um, she listened to that playlist and was super into Turbo Gato. They, like they were, they started uh, chatting on on Facebook post comments is like bridging these two bands from South Carolina and New Zealand just because I put a band on a playlist and that's the that's that's the kind of shit that I live for it's just those little moments of connection yeah yeah it is cool and there's no better feeling than sharing music with people I mean I have I have my own group of friends that we share music back and forth and and even if if it even if we don't like it it's still cool to like expand your horizons a little bit yeah, and it's sure. kind of what I like doing about Slightly Fuzzed is that like I have a playlist. I had the podcast. I make posts that involve people's new music and stuff. And either way, however you 
consume it preferably like at least you're hearing new stuff all the time and it's not always going to be for you like there's some really poppy stuff that i that i like there's some really sludgy stuff and there's some really dark stuff and some really light stuff and it's not going to be for everyone but it's cool when people send me messages and go all the dick jokes the fart jokes this stuff's funny but like i get a lot of music recommendations from your channel too and i'm like awesome that's awesome yeah yeah well and it's got personality i mean that that's that's one thing that i really appreciate like with what you're doing with the uh you know yes with the dick jokes and the fart jokes too that's a that's a great part of it but like i feel like i feel like i get a, a bit of your personality and i'm you know i'm kind of in on the joke when you make a sack or a what was it sack sabbath sex sex uh, with the uh the nut sack on the on the first record like yeah i thought i thought that was pretty hilarious i'm pretty sure i sent it to my bandmates like uh, check this out <laughs> and uh you know then you, you kind of feel like you're you're part of a tribe even with people that you don't know yet you just get to yeah. you know share share in jokes and and references and uh, a vernacular with each other that the rest of the world maybe doesn't get uh not that they're not invited just that you know they haven't clued in yet and uh they have yet to see how awesome this little world of ours is yeah and and it is it is a cool little like community that's stoner metal or whatever on on instagram specifically mm -hmm. i feel like because i'm not on i'm not really on facebook much and i got on twitter just to see if i could grow the podcast a little bit but there's a pretty small community there it feels like whereas on metal instagram, twitter is definitely much more death death centric yeah yeah it really is i mean there, I there's definitely like that heavy metal group there but like the stoner stuff is definitely not quite there whereas on instagram like man, everyone's just like sharing each other's stuff and supporting each other, commenting on stuff. And then you go to Twitter and it's just crickets and it's strange, yeah. but and I don't, I don't even know what goes on Facebook and shit. Like I'm not, I'm probably not going to get Facebook's on there. Facebook's got some good groups. Um, yeah. I don't know. Our guitarist, Kevin, uh, is trying to get us to, to sign up for, for TikTok. Oh um, no. What are you going to do on TikTok? Uh, we'll just dance and, you know, do all the challenges <laughs> and stuff. No, we, uh, we we actually were talking about it somewhat seriously about some sort of video component because we're all gear nerds and he wanted to just like like come up with a riff and then like get whatever band we're playing with to like jam with him for a couple minutes on on something that they hadn't heard before uh just to you know mess around and play music because yeah again that's the whole thing like we just want to hang out and play music with people so yeah well, there's definitely that group of people too that are total gear nerds on, on Instagram specifically. Like they'll just like play riffs and people will like put it up on, on live and people will join. They'll talk about specific pedals and amps and stuff that I don't fucking know anything about. <laughs> and I mean, that's, that's definitely on there. They definitely have that community going. Oh yeah. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. We, the, the empty black guys we've never met in person, um, oh. but I already consider them good friends because we've just been you know shooting stuff back and forward forth and commenting on each other's memes for the past two years so <laughs> when yeah. we finally play with them it'll be it'll almost be like closure like <laughs> you know like we we've that's kind of how i felt having so them on. Long. <laughs> yeah exactly that's kind of how i felt having them on the podcast was because back when i even started salty fuzz which was not that long ago like six months ago or something like that and they were all they were there from the beginning commenting on stuff and sharing it yeah. and liking it and whatever and so i was just like all right those guys are cool and then when it came time when they had an ep coming out i was like 
you guys should come on. Like oh, the EP I, I wouldn't so have done. Good. I don't think I would have done that if if they wouldn't have been so supportive throughout all of it. Yeah, obviously. man. So. I gotta say, I I'm really happy that that EP is as good as it is because if they put out yeah. something terrible, I was gonna be like, oh, damn it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's awesome. It, that EP is so yeah. good. I can't wait to play with them. I kind of feel like, Ryan, we should like bring some friends who look nothing like us to like catfish them just as a joke. <laughs> like just send send some other people into the venue before us to introduce themselves as Doomsday Prophet. People like, yeah, nothing like your picture. Shoes or something. Yeah, you would figure out how to film picture. it. That could be really funny. Figure out how to film it. There you go, Kevin. There's there's an idea. Have them yeah, dressed up like dorks and kind of be dicks too when they meet them and just film the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, we went in a new direction. We're uh, we're an alt country band now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's been super fun. I I've really gotten a kick out of uh, kind of getting to know some of the other bands and and labels and movers and shakers in the in the broader uh doom stoner sludge heavy scene whatever i mean it's you know it's all a bunch of nerds who like dungeons and dragons and riffs and old comics and horror movies and stuff like it's yeah it's all my people it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is cool and and i'll say from from like my perspective with slightly fuzz like getting to know some of these people just through instagram and and now especially with the podcast for an hour instead of you know just texting back and forth like it's it's a good community, man. It's it's a good group of people for sure. And and I've said this before. I I have been a graphic designer for a long time, and that community's not it's not like that. At least from from where I stood, you know. Maybe I hadn't been embraced yet, but like <laughs> it was not like that. I don't know. They just they they don't operate the same way. Yeah, I I mean I have to think part of it is you know there's a for the most part, there's kind of a ceiling on the success you can achieve being a, a doom metal band, um, which is, you know, that's a, that's a two-sided sword. Um, but I think the, the good thing about it is you don't have the expectations or the competitiveness. Like I want every band that we play with to be as successful as they can. I, I want to love, you know, every doom band that I come across, um, you know, cause I like, I like this type of music. I like the sound. I like playing shows and having people come out and, you know, bang their heads. Uh, I think generally the doom audience is a little older, so, you know, we're not as banging our heads as fast as maybe we used to, but we're still getting into it and, and just, you know, it's, it's awesome. I think, you know, it, it feels a lot more down to earth um, than a lot of the stuff I've been a part of in the past. And, and, you know, I think maybe that's just sort of kind of, finding finding your groove in the world a little bit and having something that can be a good outlet but also doesn't have a lot of the the youthful drama and expectations and and all that stuff it's just a little bit more i, I think it's a little bit more okay to be somebody who works a full-time job and you know maybe has a family or or yeah you know has has other things going on in life but still wants to go out to shows and have a good time and you know not quite be normal yeah <laughs> well we we've talked uh, a lot and we haven't played any of your music yet do you want to play uh consume the remains yeah let's do it 
let people know what we're what we're talking about here. I for one never get sick of that song.
Consume the remains. The uh, the number one top 40 single from Doomsday Prophet. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing up the charts right now as we speak. It is never not shocking to see the person behind those kind of vocals. <laughs> it's always it's always some like normal ass dude that's just like rally as fuck it's crazy yep that's me um and trad i i was hearing trad's vocals a good bit on this one uh oh, yeah? through the playback he did some don't really forget me i was on that one too man well i was hearing trad more but ryan did background vocals on it too uh so we got kind of the whole gang vocals on the choruses there nice and and what about the video? So, that video had uh, a little bit of fucking everything in it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we had to put uh, some dinosaurs in there for trad. <laughs> and uh, so, um, Dark Sprite videos is the yeah uh, okay. I, I know them. We did it. Yeah, he's done some a bunch of cool stuff. He's done videos for Church of Misery and Jess and the Ancient Ones and Crystal Spiders. Um, I I've been following him. On Instagram for forever, uh, and when Trad was looking for people to do videos for Crystal Spiders, I said, "Check this dude out. This is cool." Uh, they developed, you know, a working relationship that way, and we were all just like, "Yeah, we should totally do that." I think it it's just a good match, um, and it was nice. We were all happy. It was one of those things that uh, was just super easy. We we said hey we like your work you want to work with us and he was like cool i like your work let's do it uh, <laughs> and then we sent a little bit of money and he made a video nice i uh, love yeah, the, I like, the style of like I, I talked we talked about it with empty black too on on their podcast because they have a similar type of style in their video and it's just like that that era that specific era mm -hmm. of like cinema that he takes mm. clips from is just always so gnarly and it fits so well with like heavy music for some reason. It's just yeah, like, I think it's means... not too polished, but it's not like so old that it doesn't, it's goofy. It's like that perfect yeah. little mix of, of both. You still get the film grain. You, you get kind of that yeah. vintage uh, distortion, the sort of like tube driven TV format. Um, and, and I think the way that, all of the images and scenes are cut together is really interesting. I, I think that's, I mean, that's really where the, the storytelling is. You know, you take all mm -hmm. this archival footage, um, but the, the story is told in the editing room, right? And that, that whole process just blows my mind, sifting through all of the different frames and trying to figure out where the, where to fit things together is so. Yeah. And they, they kick out a lot of videos too, Dark Sprite. So they must have just so fucking much footage and either they've just like memorized it all. They know where they can just put stuff in or I don't know. I mean, how many hours and hours and hours must they have gone through to find enough for not only a music video, but like a music video every two weeks they, they put out. Yeah. Uh, I, you don't question things that just seem to work. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I honestly can't fathom how it's all put together. Um, so I think if I thought too much about it, I would just stay awake at night thinking about it for weeks. Uh, so I'm, I'm just super stoked on how it turns out. And it, it yeah. 
makes me feel like a you know like a real band <laughs> yeah like, like there there have definitely been steps along the way that you know i think we all kind of look at each other and go like oh man we're we're a real band now like oh man this like oh we we're playing a show. oh we're going on tour we're we're opening for black tusk and resin <laughs> and u.s christmas and that's oh, pretty yeah, when it was i mean when it was just you and i when you came to me with this idea for like hey you just kind of an, an excuse to play music with with friends just the two of us the december like late december 2018 you're like you know if this goes somewhere cool you know maybe we'll play a show at the cave which is a small venue in chapel hill like in the base in a basement 70 uh, capacity 70 capacity um that was kind of where our heads were at going into this so yeah we've had a lot of those moments like oh we're a real band yeah. where did uh where did trad come from because i know he's had a pretty big year with crystal spiders i mean they're on they're in ripple right and they just yeah he's a, had a, yeah, he's had a big couple years um yeah. trad's a road dog man um he's been in bands for you know i mean as long as i've known him before so actually i was in a punk band a short-lived punk band with trad back in 2010 um which is how i first i first met him um and then we kind of went our separate ways for about a decade um and then when brian and i were starting this band we saw that at the same time trad had crystal spiders coming out with some some new stuff and we're like oh hey trad shit i wonder if he wants to overcommit himself in another band that's kind of sort of similar to uh <laughs> to yeah, what he's oh, already hey, doing i see you're playing in a doom band you want to do another yeah. one <laughs> so I, I reached out to him i was like hey you want to uh you know play some music again and he uh invited us down to his uh to his house and his basement we jammed uh it we hit it off it worked um it was it became doomsday prophet he's really done a fantastic job um taking i'm are but i'm it's really brian's ideas um and riffs and really arranging them into songs i think that was probably our first uh oh we're a real band moments was when trad took took our ideas and formed them into like legitimate songs um i think that was a good first step in our evolution we played one show just the three of us um that went it went really well um, but we realized, I think, that there was maybe a little bit uh, something something missing. Um, and he had previously played in another band with Kevin. Uh, so he brought Kevin in. And Kevin adds that spacey, psychedelic guitar magic um, that kind of rounds us, rounds us out. And that's, we've been, the four of us, since, what, October 2019? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah, we played one show late September 2019 as a trio and went, that was cool, but it needs something. And, and within uh, like a month, we, we got Kevin on boarded and Kevin just like you know, one of the one of the reasons Trad wanted to bring Kevin on board was because they were just they're just so good playing together. They can they understand each other while while playing, and Kevin's a super, super quick learner. So uh we were able to onboard him super quick and i think we played our second show within within a month or something uh, of our first show kevin and trad also both have a good bit of experience playing as sidemen um yeah. kind of coming in and, and jumping into 
somebody else's band and and having to pick it up pretty quickly and um and fit in um mm-hmm. which is a huge skill and talent in and of itself um i'm one of those people i can only play the stuff i write uh i don't i i couldn't jump in and and just jam fluidly with other people kevin and trad can you know you can kind of plop them down and they'll and they're going to sound good so kevin came in that first day and you know he had just listened to you know a couple rough demos we sent him and uh you know noodled a little bit at home but he came in the first day and i think i think we all kind of looked at each other after the first you know the first 20 minutes or so and we're just like yeah this is gonna work this is this is what it needs uh <laughs> there was there was not a lot of um there wasn't much of a step back or any any real instruction needed in terms of what we were like he just he he got it uh fit right in he and trad had that chemistry um from playing together in the past that it just it it fell right in it was pretty we were very lucky and fortunate to uh have gotten (laughs) those two to to join us yeah yeah that's awesome i i feel like and I don't know if it's it, them, their their addition to the band or not, or not. I guess, but you know, there's plenty of bands that are just like brutal and, and heavy, and there's something about your album that rides that line between just being brutal and heavy, but also very accessible to like the more like stoner rock people, not just like the stoner doom people. And yeah. and I've said this on the podcast before, like I don't always do very well with like the super slow and low sludge stuff. Like I really come from truck fighters, Queens of the stone age type of perspective mm-hmm. and I've gotten better. I've gotten my, my horizons <laughs> have expanded over the, over the last few years. But I mean, for, for someone like me that comes from that angle, like it's an album that really is just so fucking heavy, but still rides that line of like, you'll still enjoy it even if you come from that line and you'll still enjoy it over there too. And there's something that's very like accessible, but also just being like this really fucking, you know, heavy weighted sound too. So, and, and wherever that comes from, I mean, that's a, that's a really cool part of in idle orbit. I, I feel like. Thanks. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that's really kind of stood out to us. Certainly. Yeah, that's and what we have we, our, that's what we like about it too. <laughs> yeah, we have our hypothesis as to where that comes from, and yeah, primarily it's because we all we all intersect around this genre, but it's not necessarily where one hundred percent of all of our respective listening lies. I mean, I have more long form psychedelic prog tendencies uh trad comes at it from more of like a groovy truck fighters um that's the kind of stoner rock blues rock kind of yeah exactly everything Um, he does has a swing to it he hates playing straight and brian brian's all about the like oppressive slow sludge and then kevin comes at it from more of like a you know jam band grateful dead angle so we're all kind of not not fighting musically but i think complimenting each other but stretching i guess where each individual is coming from and kind of growing that and bringing those unique flavors into 
our collaboration as a band unit. Yeah. yeah and I, I think that that at, that at first that that's like a surprising thing to hear whereas like you have some band that sounds like this and all the members are like no I like this stuff and I like that stuff. At first that's surprising but the more I've talked to people I think it's essential. I think that it, yeah. you have to have that because if you were all into sludge doom you would just be a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a sludge doom band. But yeah. the fact that you don't all come from that same point is why you sound the way you do and why people find you interesting. And I think that it's been essential to every band that I've ever talked to on here is that, mm -hmm. you know, I, and it, it, they've been more extreme than yours too. I mean, yeah. the age of truth, like Kevin was like a huge Phil Collins fan or something. And it's like, <laughs> it's like people come from all sorts of different interests and they well, form this like heavy music regardless. Ryan, Ryan gave you the tip of the iceberg for uh, <laughs> being honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a very good summary, but I think we all listen to so much different stuff. Um, Chad and Kevin have both played with singer-songwriters, alt-country, uh, pop rock, that kind of stuff. I um, played in a hip-hop band in college. Oh, yeah? I uh, I came from, you know, my, my primary role in the scene was as a, a writer and a journalist, but um, the scene that I was coming up in was punk and hardcore and then... Um, I got more into metal and I love the very slowest of the slow. I also love the fastest of the fast. I'm a huge yeah. death and grindcore fan. Um, so, and I also love long form abstract psychedelic rock, um, you know, groovy stoner rock. I mean, speaking for myself and I think you'd see similar if you were to talk to any, any of my bandmates individually, we all like, we listen to so many different things like sitting in the van and, and playing records back and forth. I think mm -hmm. this last trip we listened to, uh, we listened to autopsy. We listened to, um, Humphreys McGee. We listened the new to, endless boogie record, which we listened slapped. to endless boogie, uh, which we all loved dearly. We listened to his golden um, messenger. His golden messenger. Um, it's just it, it's all over the place and I think we um, we like to bring in whatever it is that we like and and sort of embrace that contrast if I come in with a old school death metal riff um, I know that Kevin and Ryan are gonna try to put some uh, some space around it and Trad's gonna try to make it swing like that's just what's gonna mm -hmm. happen so I, I can rip off whatever I want uh, and bring it in. And, you know, if I steal a riff from Napalm Death, it's not going to sound like Napalm Death by the time we're done with it. Yeah. Um, See, and, that's, that's what I, when I like people using bands to describe things. Because it, I've read some descriptions like on Instagram and they're like, we're like Queens of Stone Age mixed with Melvins. And I'm like, I want to fucking hear what that sounds like. And that when you say like napalm death mixed with whatever it might be like, then I get really excited because then I'm like, that's what I want. I don't want to hear another napalm death. I don't want to hear right. another Queens of stone age. I want to hear Queens of stone age mixed with napalm death. What does that sound yeah. like? Then no, I get really already, they've already done that thing. So, uh, but I mean, I, I also think, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. We're all, we're all pulling influences from different places and that's where the yeah. sort of the chemistry of what you you mix together uh, is what makes it your own. It's not that the ingredients are all original. 
I mean, there's 12 notes in the Western scale. We're all playing the same 12 notes. Um, yeah. yeah, we're taking we're taking elements of things that we like from a variety of sonic sources and finding ways to make them not make them fit, but make them work in the context of what we are as a band. Um, I was interviewing for, for Global Garage, an uh, awesome psych band out of the Bay Area, Spiral Electric, and um, Clay was talking about if you if there's something that you want to do, that you want to bring to a song, you, I mean, you don't need to make it a, a side project if it's something completely different. Find a way to incorporate it into what you're already doing, and that'll make it so much stronger and compelling and more you um, and further your identity as a as a band and musician yeah yeah that, that's an interesting that's an interesting uh idea because there are some bands that i feel like i've put out albums that are so far from what i liked about them where i'm like you guys <laughs> should have just called this something else you kind of made this a side <laughs> project but it is it is disappointing to get into a band and just hear them reproduce the same album over and over i'm yeah. i'm a person that likes bands exploring mm -hmm. and I know yeah. that's, that's not always Same. the case i mean if you're a slayer well, fan like you want to hear slayer every time oh yeah well, and there's but i'm a queens of stone age fan so when queens of stone age makes a new record i know it's not going to be like the last one that's already a given that's just off mm -hmm. the table you know well and, so, and i think you know that's that's one of those things some bands they strike on a formula that is all theirs and they own it and they 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 just control that territory for 40 years slayer acdc motorhead yeah. like those yeah they're great they're all classic for a reason um yeah. but they do what they do they do it well um you know we're from raleigh we're all anybody playing anything remotely heavy in north carolina owes a huge debt to corrosion of conformity and that is a band that has reinvented itself over and over and over again they're like the david bowie of heavy rock um <laughs> and and they never changed their name. They had plenty of lineup changes, but you know, it was always COC. And I don't think there's a COC fan alive who likes every single thing they've ever done. Um, but that's also part of what like makes their legacy so cool. And you know, I, I think it's that kind of like, well, why can't we bring in, you know, they were they were a hardcore band that covered Fleetwood Mac but from the <laughs> Peter Green era on Eye for an Eye. Like the, the metal and hard rock was always there. It's just, and, and that wasn't something that was, was cool in hardcore, but they were like, Oh, we don't care. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that's definitely, it's in the water, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, you can't grow up around that. You can't grow up around Chapel Hill, Raleigh, Durham with such disparate scenes and at different times mm -hmm. where, you know, Raleigh was huge for alt country in the nineties. Um, COC obviously led the hardcore scene there in the eighties. Um, Chapel Hill was huge for indie rock in the late nineties, early two thousands. Durham was, had its own sort of weird sort of uh, East coast Olympia scene of, you know, anti-folk and idiosyncratic, all kinds of stuff where you'd have a metal band and a, and a folk band playing shows together because it was just what people did in Durham at that mm -hmm. time. And 
you know, that's kind of the atmosphere where we all sort of came of age and uh, it was never weird to not be into everything. Yep. So what's Doomsday Prophet going to do then? You're going to make some uh, electronic music, some acoustic songs, some... Uh... Oh, don't don't tempt us. Ryan keeps, trying <laughs> to bring a synth, Ryan keeps trying to bring a synth into band practice. I, I have to put the kibosh on that. Um, <laughs> it, it's going to happen eventually, yep. I'm sure. Um, It'll happen. I, I don't know. I think, I mean, I can say the direction that we're going in um, with some of the new stuff that we're working on is a little bit more... Um, a little bit more spread out, a little bit more spacious, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so probably leaning a little bit more on the on the psychedelic side. But there's some. I mean, we're not getting away from the heaviness by any means. Um, and I'm not going to start singing in a falsetto anytime soon. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, I think it'll still be recognizable as yeah. Doomsday Prophet from the first record. Um, I you know, I'm always trying to slip some more bangers in there and just really get down and dirty uh, and keep it mean but uh you know it's it's a nice sort of creative tension we don't like have fights or argue about it but there's that kind of push and pull between you know getting everybody what they want and at the end of the day a good riff is a good riff and i may say you know what i want to write a like mid-tempo beat down sludge metal song uh but the riff we come up that day is like Hawkwind in space beyond space and we just got to go with it because if it's a good riff it's a good riff yep. yeah see where it goes cool let's do the fuzz round are you ready yes yeah we're, oh, we're all been ready <laughs> we, we've all loosened up talked over an hour already let's do the fuzz round well you got us talking about music ryan that's kind of on you i love it that's good <laughs> <laughs> what would what would you make this album called? Um, How would you slightly would fuzz this album? Mm. Catch of the day. <laughs> Here you go. I can't beat that. Nice. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, I like this. Death comes for us all. <laughs> or diabetes comes for us all. Yeah. Just one of many ways to go. <laughs> Name three songs. <laughs> I was going to say mansplaining the album. Yeah, I think this was actually from an ad back in the day, like a, like a magazine ad. Yeah, this definitely and has it... one of those like old school like you know dish soap ads where it's like oh your husband will not like you if the if the dishes aren't clean this <laughs> is one of like the most offensive ads that i always see pop up when i look for stuff and yeah. this one was like is it always i forget what the how they worded it is it always illegal to hit a woman or something <laughs> like that oh <laughs> i think that's what this one was oh. you know sometimes yeah. i think things couldn't be any worse and then i remember that for all of history they have been much much worse then you remember that the 50s existed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> i'm pretty sure i've seen this band 
Um, I'm pretty sure they've played Chapel Hill. That seems like a, a band that would have played Chapel <laughs> Hill is, at some point. This is definitely a real band. Yeah, I forget what they're called, but this is definitely a real band. Uh, so I would think – so this looks more like a promo photo than an album cover to me, like mm-hmm. something you'd see in the liner notes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but – this band is definitely going to have, there, there's one guy in a cape who's like breaking dress code to wear a cape. I <laughs> uh, got the, that fucking cape on. Is that, a, is that like a dollar, a golden dollar sign necklace? I can't quite yeah. see. It. Yeah. I think it, it is. Yes, it, it 100% is. Okay. Yeah. I, oh, I guess they were allowed to accessorize. So maybe he didn't break dress code. He just, because the other guy has his, well, they, two of them have wristbands. Tunnel of guy, love. That's what this band is called, by the way. Tunnel of Love. I just remembered. That tracks. I could not. That Yeah, that 100% looks like a Tunnel of Love. Um, I think that's the name of the album, Tunnel of Love. And we're pointing at this this area right here. Yeah. Oh, no. We're all aware of what the tunnel is. (laughs) (laughs) Quite prominently displayed in that photo. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, Something tells me that that band could really uh, blow up. (laughs) i love this uh i want to use this for a cover and just do cat scratch fever uh and it'll be a very faithful re-recording like note for note so that nobody ever has to listen to ted nugent ever again I'm going to call this uh, Wednesday afternoon, 3 p.m. 2021. Yeah, or that. Well, Wednesday year. afternoon, 3 p.m., 2021. <laughs> Every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Oh, where's Trad? Those aren't dinosaurs, man. Those are demons. Those are demons from hell. Demon look, look at those Puritan, those Puritan folks shocked by their horrific appearance. It's like, oops, uh, I showed some elbow. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh I don't know, I feel like that's like the the little golden book of electric wizard songs. <laughs> baby's first baby's first super coven. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh. Is that a hummingbird feeder? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, or, a, it's a hummingbird like, feeder or like a bottle of Gatorade. <laughs> or a suicide pack beverage. Oh, is it Flavor-Aid? They drank the Kool-Aid. I was recently corrected that uh, it wasn't... That the drink the Kool-Aid is not a, uh, a correct statement. Uh, the Jonestown Massacre, in fact, used Flavor-Aid. Um, apparently, so, I was talking to somebody in the PR department for Kool-Aid. Those cheap, cheap <laughs> bastards. They couldn't even spring for the good stuff. Yeah, you're gonna go out, go out on a high note. If you're gonna yeah, have weird. powdered fruit drink, yeah, get at the least good get Kool Aid. Um, I feel like this is what happens when you expect the like, uh, it, instead of like the aliens coming to rescue you, you expect the Kool Aid man to burst through this this stone 
the stone tomb and mm -hmm. uh go oh yeah, oh, yeah. Man. we're gonna you know you're the chosen few you get to ride on to infinity with the kool-aid man but you know it's just an advertising mascot so instead <laughs> it's just a sad group suicide <laughs> <laughs> oh beautiful yeah that is uh this is what happens when you give a black metal band a synthesizer is this a warning of things to come? <laughs> it better not be. <laughs> uh, this looks like the Warlocks of Disco. Um, uh, I think instead of like, you know, Spinal Tap had smelled the glove, right? So this has got to be um, smell the finger. He's got the ET finger. And the, there's the a lot there's a lot going on with this photo and there's a lot that's wrong with it <laughs> just don't understand yeah it's like is it is that stuff from the room in 2001 space odyssey too or is that just the vibe that it's it's going i think it's too? just the vibe okay i mean I look just... at that symbolism there's there's the black and the white juxtaposed with the white statue and the black chair, there's so much to unpack. It's an empty chair. There's it's an outer empty chair. Space behind Ooh, he's them. holding a guitar. I thought it was a lightsaber. He's holding a guitar, <laughs> but what is this guy holding over here? Uh, a cane. Oh, it's a metaphor for for aging. You put down the guitar and you pick up the cane, but you still have the spirit of rock. Yeah, but how come, like, he's wearing black. He looks way cooler. <laughs> I don't oh, know if we'll ever unpack the mystery. He's definitely more like Gene Simmons, and the guy in white's definitely more Peter Chris, like, on the makeup scale of badassery. Like, nobody wants to be the cat man. Come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a tough one. This one, however... Oh, wow. Uh, oh, it's Dr. Roxo on the left. He does cocaine. Cool. This is clearly uh, Raz Blemmy Mataz, uh, and the album is called I Do Cocaine. <laughs> At Noel Fielding, hanging out with, uh, with Roxo. <laughs> uh he uh he stole the bass from either Bootsy Collins or High Priestess Nighthawk. It looks like they tried to go to Eurovision but got lost in a back alley. <laughs> it's the uh it's what happens when you buy Eurovision on wish.com. <laughs> Ryan, I have to tell you I did get a new bass recently. I think you're you're really going to like it. Is it a sparkly green star? How did you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I like yeah. that he co he he coordinated his makeup to match the guitar. That is, I think they all in the accent. Oh yeah. no, he's he's going all in on that like green and silver. Um, yeah, I mean, you 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 got to respect the commitment to the bit. You really, I mean, do. it looks like I mean the clown went overboard. Like everyone looks like they belong in this like you know, David Bowie 
spinoff, but then no, you have it, the there's random... a there's a, a gradual increase because the guy in the red and black has the the David like the Aladdin Sane. It's not it's not a gradient. It's a stark jump from from uh, Noel Fielding to Roxo. That's true. Yeah, he, he just looks like he's photobombing. It's rock and roll McDonald's right there. <laughs> the fuck is up, Denny's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best. What the fuck is up? Yeah. Denny's? So you get uh, references to Wesley Willis and uh, viral videos when you talk to Doomsday <laughs> Prophet. I expected nothing less. You got you guys. Somehow have we a, managed a not to on. talk about uh, brass against. So. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I have I worst offense of that video. The shower, or wearing one's own shirt while performing. The worst offense was clearly the guy scooping it up off of the stage and then throwing it. That is very true. That is true. Yeah. That should have been the third option. That was not consensual and not cool. Let's see. Also, how was there enough of it to scoop with two hands? I've never scooped liquid off of a hard surface before with my hands. That's that must in have that been. volume. Must have been a lot. <laughs> Do you know what we're talking about? Uh, the chick that peed on somebody. Yeah, yeah. dude okay. got pressure washed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't look into it much because I was like, I, I don't know. I don't care. But didn't like the guy want it? Wasn't he like, okay. She was like, I'm going to pee yeah, on it was, it was like, go yeah, for it. It was fully really consensual. The people who got it thrown on them afterwards may not yeah. be into it. But... Yeah. It's very strange. But, you know. I didn't look into it much. I didn't read the story. But I did see the pictures and the memes. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, it's all you really need. Who is the, Who is that chick, though? Who, what is that band? Uh, They're it like is a Rage a... Against the Machine <laughs> brass cover band or something. Oh. They they play System of a Down and Rage Against the Machine songs, but they have trombones. It's yeah. basically like uh if your if your buddy's high school ska band got somebody who was on the voice uh to help them sing covers so they could make more money. I don't want any of those things that you just said. And then also there's, you know, P. And the P, the P stuff. <laughs> I mean the thing that's like they, they they apologized for it and said, you know, this is not who we are as a band. Yes, it is. But, but your name is forever stained, no matter how you wash that stain. Why why even apologize for it? You, just the lean into like, it. Who just, wants to get peed on? Just why GD Allen that? that shit and make it yeah, make it you. It. Just they were the band that pees on people. Yeah. You want it? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't you, understand. You break up and you're like, we're gonna do different things or. Because people are going to come to their show and they're not going to get peed on, but that's what they're expecting. You, you, get uh, you know, you got it, but you got to mitigate expectations. Otherwise, people are just going to expect it every time. And really, all you want to do is um go with the flow. She's like, now I got to drink a bunch oh. of water every day before I go on stage. Now I got to make sure my bladder's full. This sucks. She's like, I wish <laughs> I would never peed on that first guy. Yeah, poncho you know, merch though. It's like Gallagher. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly like Gallagher. <laughs> Start beating watermelons on stage, and it's like I fucking hate watermelons. I never wanted to do this. Where do you go <laughs> from there? You know, it's like I guess you know maybe write an original song. That's that a would be a shocking to, thing for them to do. Perfect way to wrap up this podcast, by the way. That would be a really shocking thing for them to do because they're a cover band, and if they came out and were like, "Hey, you just heard seventeen minutes of." 
Rage Against the Machine and System of a Down with Trombones, but now we're going to play an original song. I didn't even realize uh, that they were a cover band. That's so whack. That doesn't that make it even wilder? Like, it wasn't just some, like, outrageous band. It was a cover band. That's terrible. That's more, that's more offensive shirt. than the P. <laughs> I don't think cover bands should even be allowed to sell merch. No. Like... It could you could just like just sell bootleg versions of the bands you cover, like open an Etsy store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't know that they were a cover band. That's terrible. This that makes the, <laughs> the whole story even more stupid. <laughs> you know, there's a we have a pretty bleak worldview as a band, but every now and then yeah. something comes along that just uh, brightens your day. You got to find those um, those little splashes of gold in everyday life. God damn it, Brad. <laughs> and with that, the Slightly Fuzz podcast. Thanks for being here, Doomsday Prophet. Thank you so much for having us. This was a blast. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I I, I did have I had a lot of fun and I did like In Idle Orbit. It's a great album. I hope everyone checks it out. Um I hope you guys uh have a bunch more shows planned for for next year, and hope you head towards the Midwest at some point. Uh, I hopefully we will. Like I said, that you know we've got a few things up in the air that we need to sort out, but uh, definitely the goal is to get as as far as we can get within our our limited windows of time. Right on. And I'll All let right. you know when we head towards Illinois. Cool. Talk to you later. See you guys. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye.